Hi, Rachel. My name is Kelly Votino. Today is my 34th birthday, and one year ago, for my 33rd birthday, my husband bought me Girl Wash Your Face. I had never heard of you before, um, but ever since reading your book and following you on social media, I have just changed so much over the past year, and I just felt the overwhelming need to just say thank you to you. Um, I am a mother of four. I have three boys and a girl from one to eight years old and was just really struggling, um, struggling with my marriage, struggling with staying confident and finding myself and, and guilt, overwhelming feelings of guilt for everything that I did that wasn't for my children. And um, I just I just wanted to say thank you because I have come to a place where I am confident, I'm happy, my marriage is great. And I don't feel guilty anymore for doing things that make me happy and living my best life. And I'm just so, so grateful and so thankful that my husband bought that book for me one year ago. I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is The Rise Podcast. Welcome back to the last episode of the Rise Podcast of 2019. I am not Rachel Hollis, as you can definitely tell. It is producer Chelsea here trying to put together a little last-minute episode all about people's experiences in 2019. We're going to hear from some community members like yourself, and we're also going to hear from some HOKO employees about the big lessons, the big wins, the big moments of 2019 as we go into this new decade. So first up is RC, who is our head of product here at the Hollis Company. Hi, I'm RC, head of product at the Hollis Company. And the biggest learning for me as I kind of hindsight 2019 was the logistic scope of what needed to be done to get our products to our customers and our community um, and what really became a, a challenging thing as we round out the end of the year is something that I'm super proud to have navigated and executed and essentially made our community extremely happy when they received their orders. Product really has come a long way. We started off 2019 with producing our first ever products and taking them to our Rise conferences um, and really extending our e-commerce presence larger than it had ever been. So we started off, our main focus was on our Start Today journals um, and really producing and being able to scale that business led us into this complexity of logistics. You know, for for any small business owner or someone really embarking on this new territory of getting products to the ultimate consumer, um, there are a lot of complexities. And so I kind of walked into Journal Gate, if anybody remembers, as we rounded out 2018 into 2019. Um, we were able to strategically move our partnerships to be with partners who could fulfill and 
accommodate all of our customers' needs. Where the complexity started to come in were trying to navigate not only domestic shipping, um, but being super transparent with our community from a customer service perspective of when they could expect the goods. And then shipping to communities outside of the United States. Um, it takes a lot of planning, a lot of patience, a lot of persistence, um, a lot of facts to really understand who the best partner is and how you can also be profitable with a very costly service. Um, so we we tested, we tried, we um, shifted gears a little bit. There was a lot of kind of let's try, let's learn and react mode. Um, and we were able to come up with a solution. So we now partner with USPS um, in we are able to fully ship to both our Canadian consumers as well as everywhere in the US, including PO boxes um, and any of those smaller locations, any military bases. I also think something that we like to leverage all the time is just the ability our community shows up and shares with us feedback, either positive or negative. I think also, you know, to have a business that is successful and have this kind of two-way street between business and customer is something that I like to use to our benefit because there's always opportunities and things we can do better. Something we wanted to do was make sure we had someone in Canada who was testing this on the other side. Um, so we actually were able to reach out to a few of our Canadian customers and ask if can we ship an order to you? Can we try this? Can we make sure it's working? I think being able to kind of use in your testing trial people who are actually there who understand um, was was something that we wanted to do before we kind of released it to the greater public. I kept telling Dave and Rachel that I was happy to hop on a plane and send myself something, but I think it was really important for someone who lives there, someone who understands the complexities of ordering something that is not from Canada and what it takes to get it to them um, to go through our entire process to share with us any feedback that could make us again show up better for our community. We were kind of, you know, all in it together. Um, Rachel and Dave as leaders are are very, very good about kind of solving and navigating the problems and understanding what the red flags are and knowing that we're in it together. I think that's also a message I would love to share when you're working for a small company and or starting off a new business, having that transparency between leadership and being able to navigate and walking away from a from a problem all aligned on the solution is really, really helpful to the to the greater good of the business. Um, so when we were kind of charting these this territory of understanding how to get our products from point A to B, which I'm referring to Journal Gate of 2018, um, coming in in 2019 and working with a new manufacturer who was ultimately responsible for now this point A to point B in the right time frame. Um, you know, we we really, we wanted to get it right. So you, we raised the red flag. We had conversations. Dave, Dave was an advocate for really understanding all of the complexities that went into it and helped me get to the point of, you know what, let's halt this. Let's pause. 
is everyone aligned with pausing? Because what we're going to ultimately do is for a short term disappoint a portion of our community, 15, you know, 10 to 15% of that community. But like I said before, once we figure out how to do what we do best in the United States, we will be able to show up for them. And if you can articulate that and share it, it all makes for a better business at the end of the day in a community that understands. And really the biggest hindsight and kind of learnings as we go into 2020 is now taking those learnings and applying that same methodology to how do we now go to Australia? How do we go to England? So setting all of those benchmarks and those thresholds and knowing going in was really a complexity I had never even started to kind of touch on. Um, So for me, kind of coming out of this past year, it's the biggest learning. It's honestly the thing I'm most proud of as well. I think the advice and encouragement I would give RC in 2020 is be patient. Be patient and persistent. So be patient in knowing their problems will arise, problems will change, problems will shift. Um, But if we keep that solution-oriented mindset and we're really strategic about having that patience and having the pauses and having the conversations that need to be had, um, we will all be in a better place. I think there's been, you know, we're working in in a business and an environment that has so much opportunity and this was a growth year. Um, And so really just the advice I would tell myself is it's okay. Pause, take a deep breath, raise the red flag when you need to. But when you raise the red flag, have a solution, have a proposal to make. Um, And so that we can really walk out of 2020 in a place that was thoughtful, um, where we were you know, still executing at the level that we're executing and bringing 110% every single day, but where we were a little bit more strategic um, and, again, made calls that it might not be, you know, at the moment that we had to halt Canada shipping, it wasn't it wasn't a good message to, to deliver, right? But, again, we showed up better than we would have had we been doing that. Um, and so I think just knowing that that's okay and being more strategic and being more methodical and pausing is is really the advice I would give to myself and knowing that I have that support from Rachel and Dave and the greater leadership and we're in it together and we will figure it out um, is really, really good to have as we go into 2020. Hi, Rachel and Dave. Um, my name is Paige Wetzel. I'm from Auburn, Alabama. But I just wanted to call and thank you guys for the work that you're doing. Just tell us I appreciate you guys um, interviewing Kyle Carpenter and your contributions to Simplify Fund. Um, my family was actually at Walter Reed Medical Center with Kyle. My husband is a double amputee. He was injured in 2012, um, former Army. What I think has been so interesting about life since all of that is when we were in the middle of like that great big tragedy and my husband learning how to walk again and navigating all of those things, it was almost like um, there wasn't a rule book. So it was easy to kind of like just walk through and, and kind of break down barriers because we were kind of doing something that like the average person couldn't do. Uh, and I think 
what has been so um, interesting about life so far is that um, we now live in the civilian world, and we're we're trying to live our lives much like Kyle is trying to do, and um, it is the things that average people have to walk through that seem to get you down the most, and so um, picking up your podcasts and your books and things like that have really just shown us that um, the things that frustrated us, you know, it's, it's kind of like, man, look at what all I've survived and I've been able to do this. How is this knocking me down so much? It made us feel normal, you know. You guys have a lot of kids. We have two children, and um, that's not as many as you guys, but doing that, you know, handicapped is is difficult. And um, just facing those day-to-day challenges of, like, being fired up about your job or having the energy to be a good parent and really being present for your children's academic career or uh, bringing your best self to your nine-to-five job, you know, those are the things that have really um, seemed to kind of knock us down. And so hearing um, your stories and just what all you've been through and, and doing it as a married couple has really just helped us to understand that like hey that's okay and this is something everyone will go through so i just appreciate the vulnerability um that takes a lot of courage just to step out and tell the truth so i really appreciate that but breathing that sigh of relief makes me feel like there's a community of people out there that feel a lot like i do and it has allowed me to feel that way and then it has allowed me to make a plan about how to improve my situation My name is Danny Parsons, and I'm going to talk to you about my biggest and greatest moment of 2019. To start off, I mean, I've been with the company since January 15th of 2019, so it's been a really cool, I guess, like moment of time to sort of reflect back on this past year and my experience at the company. When the company restructured, um, there was a need for design across all teams, and they sat me down and asked what I would like to do regarding the positions that were open, I could choose going on to any of the three teams or they had a really incredible opportunity with the product team to build out what product design would look like for the company moving forward. Um, And with a partnership with Target for 2020, they really wanted to give me, I would say, the honor of owning that role and building out that vision to which I was really nervous about and really excited about and humbled that they that our company would like guide me in that position and and I didn't have a background in product design but I think it's such a wonderful thing to be able to take on new ventures and like grow at within the company you're at in ways that you could have never predicted. I'd really love to share a little bit about how We've, we created uh, this new product, the Priority Planner. So we sat down in a meeting and Dee was like, I really hear the things I want to do. I think Rachel really wants to do a planner. Um, and so we we're like, okay, a planner. And I'm thinking at first like a normal planner. <laughs> um, and then it turns out that Rachel has like all of these intricate um, sort of daily practices in the way that she utilizes paper and the way that she writes her to-do list and what she calls certain things that she wanted to put her heart and soul into the planner's content exactly like 
she did with the Start Today journal. And so when designing what that would look like or the space needed, it was a lot of back and forth with Rachel on how she wanted to organize everything. And really what I want to focus on is the marble planner. Um, this was for me definitely like a dream come true. I, I think growing up, I often said, I would love to get paid to make art. And I, I think I've always known that I wasn't going to be maybe the person that's like paint covered clothes, slaving away in a studio because I love so many different types of mediums. I love photography, painting, um, graphic design. I just, I love anything that can incorporate a multitude of mediums together is what I think is really cool. And the opportunity came about to create, like physically create a pattern for the planner. Um, I think I just sort of decided that we were going to try out paper marbling. We went out, we sourced all of the materials. Um, I set up a paper marbling station in our company's kitchen um, and everybody would walk by and they would say, how's your art project coming along? And I'm thinking like, oh my God, this is like not just an art project. I'm like, this is like for Target. Like, what am I doing? But I just really wanted to, I guess, make it special. And I think a lot of, a lot of people are like, oh, could you not just create this marble pattern on the computer? Could you not have done this digitally? And I think the answer is yes. It just probably wouldn't have looked as authentic or as natural as it turned out there's a there's a lot of I think you have to sort of release control when you're paper marbling um because there's a lot of elements that you have no control over I mean how the paint swirls like I can sort of capture that a little bit with my hands and place colors in certain um areas of the water but when you lay that paper down the way that the colors integrate with each other and swirl around and attach onto the paper I, it was really I believe it was really important to let go of the control uh, during the process of creating this marble watercolor design because I think so often as artists and designers we try to fit a mold we want our art to look and feel a certain way you have a vision in the beginning and you sort of like when you start getting to the point where you're creating I think trying to stick to that initial idea however beautiful and amazing it is in your head can be really challenging so I was in our company kitchen paper marbling for about three and a half days um <laughs> And so many people kept coming up to me and asking how it was going, and they were so excited to see how everything was turning out. And Rachel had been so busy. She was so heads down that week that she, I don't think our paths crossed while I was in the kitchen physically working. And I look up and Rachel walks into the kitchen to get water or, or you know, rinse out something, rinse out a cup in the sink. And she looks up and she was like, oh my God oh my God, you're the one doing all of these amazing things. She was like, I'm not going to look. And she literally like, like left her cup on the counter, didn't even get water, like shielded her eyes. And she was just like, I just want to be surprised. I want to be surprised. And she like ran out of the kitchen. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I thought, oh my God, I hope it turns out great. because There's a lot riding on this. I was really, you know, the anticipation was high for how she would respond and receive the work. And so I was really, really excited. Um, we had, I would say probably like three of 
the marble designs turned out beautifully and we could go in any direction. So I really wanted her to have the final say on which one she loved best based on the colors, based on how it fit in with the other products and the other designs that were already decided on. Um, and so I designed three mock-ups for her and then presented them to her in in our brand strategy meeting and um, about Target. And she... She she was seemingly overwhelmed, but just so I think the the word that captured the best was just so happy. Like she thought that it was beautiful. She, you know, thanked me for my work, all of my hard work, and said that she just couldn't believe that, you know, just like I don't know how many months before, but we, you know, so many months before we sat down with just an idea for what the Target product line would look like. And she just couldn't voice enough how incredible it, it was that we got from this this starting line to what would be considered, I guess, the finish line of having this like beautiful set of products to include this new priority planner with two covers. And it was it was such a beautiful feeling um, seeing how excited and how happy she was that this dream of being in Target was finally coming full circle for her. And so to be a part of that journey was definitely something I'm I'm cherishing this first time around, and I'm excited to see what the rest of 2020 has to offer. I think that there is a lot of encouragement I need to probably give myself for 2020. Um, with a new year coming up, I think especially at this point in my career, which I'm so grateful for. I think that there's, with these new strides comes also a new wave of pressure, a new wave of expectation. And it's not necessarily coming from the outside world. It often comes from myself. Um, I've always been the type of person that sets really high expectations for myself, and I don't give myself the option of not succeeding in them. And so... I think one of the biggest things I I hope to grow through and learn from in 2020 and challenge myself on is going back to that lesson of letting go and like releasing control over what your vision for the year looks like because at the end of the day we can try to plan out so many things and create so many things on so many levels and it's okay if it doesn't turn out quite the way you thought or you know, maybe a design that I love, Rachel won't love. Like you just, you never know what's to come. And so I think that the advice I'd really like to give myself is to release control of what like sort of idealized vision for 20, of my idealized vision for 2020 is and sort of move forward to taking each day and each opportunity as it comes with an open mind and open heart Hi, my name is Shelly Smith, and I'm head of events here at the Hollis Co. And my best moment of 2019 was when we sold out our Rise Weekend Dallas event in only two and a half hours. We had 7,500 tickets sold in that short amount of time, and it was just so unbelievable and exciting. The moment we decided to put on the event in Dallas was it. It was a little nerve-wracking, but also incredibly exciting. When I was hired, it was to put on one Rise weekend, and that was it for a year. And to know that, you know, all the efforts that went into planning Rise Minneapolis and that 
we had such an incredible response from the community that we never could have predicted. Rise LA was only about 800 people that came. And so for us to sell over 3,500 tickets in 30 minutes to Minneapolis, I mean, we just knew we had to add another event. You know, we knew that there were so many people whose lives we could change by adding this additional event. We had a lot of requests come in as the tickets were going on sale, and we just were watching the sales dashboard of these, you know, all the different ticket types as they sold out. So we were getting a lot of um, DMs through social media, a lot of emails coming in to our customer support team, a lot of people volunteering or hoping that we would pick their city and giving us a list of here's where you need to come, come see me in the city or come, you know, plan an event in this state. So we immediately looked at Rachel's calendar because she was committed in a lot of speaking engagements that year. And we immediately looked at her calendar and Dave's calendar and found a date that we could do in the summer. And that was a direct response from the community. There were definitely moments of lessons learned during this. Yeah, I've mentioned or talked about how you usually would book an event 12 to 18 months out. This was in November of 2018, and we wanted to do an event in July of 2019. So to try to find a venue that was going to be twice the size that I could secure And just to give you some perspective, typically for an event of this size, you'll book your venue 12 to 18 months out. We did it in six months. Start a budget and get all of the things, the planning in motion, and try to hire and expand our teams at the same time was a little daunting. It was incredibly challenging, but in a good way. I mean, we promote personal growth and really pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And we definitely did that with adding this big event because we just had never, we had never done anything as big as Minneapolis. And we hadn't even done that yet while we were planning this one twice as big. We knew that it was going to be a lot of hard work, but we really knew how many lives could be changed during those two live events And all of it was just such an incredible experience, seeing those women come together who were committed to making lasting change and connection in their lives. Our events are also a lot of fun, too, because not only do we unpack our past, evaluate our present, and plan for our future, but we have dance parties at the end of it all. So if you've never been to a RISE conference before, we hope you'll come spend time with us in 2020. We now have several RISE weekends planned, along with another RISE business conference in November and our first ever RISE half marathon and 5K in December. Some encouragement that I would give myself for 2020 is reminding myself and knowing that I can do hard things. When I think, oh, there's, I don't know what I'm doing, or I haven't done this exactly at this scale before or something of this size before, I look back at Rise Minneapolis and Rise Dallas and know that our team is always ready to level up and can rise above. Oh, see, I said rise. (laughs) Can rise above and really just always keep focused on the attendee and our community and what's important to them. And then that's going to make anything that we add and continue to 
grow the conference or expand the experience for them, it, it's always focusing on, I mean, truly we think of what are there any pain points or obstacles of somebody traveling by themselves to a conference and really pushing themselves outside of their own comfort zones. And so we want to make sure we love on them and we make all of the information easily accessible to them. We think of all the touch points throughout the weekend. How can we foster that community and make those connections and just really thinking through what they're going, you know, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of courage and to come to a conference, especially if you're traveling by yourself or, you know, we think about half the attendees are. So we just want to make sure they feel loved on and seen and heard. And it just makes the rest of it seem easy. Hi, Ruth and Dave. My name is Julie. Um, first off, I just want to thank y'all for the support you show, um, military families and military um veterans in general. Um, my husband and I just finished five years in the military, and we finally have moved back to our hometown to be with our uh, family. But um, I met Rachel at, in San Antonio um, for a meet and greet, and it was just so inspiring. And I just want to thank you all for that support. It means a lot. Um, but the reason I, uh, one thing I wanted to share my story This past year, um, I have struggled uh, with postpartum depression and anxiety um, severely. It's something that has really, really, I think, affected my marriage. Um, And it's something that has really put a strain on my relationship with people in general. And it's something that I know is happening. It's something that I see it in front of me is happening, but it's still happening. This past year, I have... You know, I've been listening to podcasts, reading books, trying to improve myself, help, um, or see my, my, myself and just my well-being. And I feel like, I feel like I'm having a hard time getting it to click and to register in my brain. And I just want to thank y'all for helping me in those steps because I feel like I'm finally getting to the point where I'm recognizing it more and more of like, this is what's happening. I just think anything, you know, any advice that y'all could give um, on how to help that, especially with a marriage, I think um, I feel like I'm a bad wife and a bad mom because it's something that I, I can't really get a hold of. I know what's happening, but I can't get a hold of it. So any advice that y'all could give um, in in that and struggling with that and um, when you recognize it and it's still happening, that would be great. I apologize for this rambling, um, just trying to get my words out. But thank y'all for what you do. You truly make make a difference. Y'all make me miss Texas a lot. Um, but thank you. God bless. My name is Cameron. I'm the head of production and development here at the Hollis Co. Um, and my biggest lesson this year was to create everything from the place of the brand's voice and the brand's mission. Coming from a, a number of different brands that are that are strong, standout brands, I think that entering here to, to a company that's so mission-based and, and, and so message-driven, which is my favorite thing about working here, you can still tend to get swept up 
when you look at a different platform or a bigger partner and they come in and, uh, you know, someone wants to work with you, but they say, hey, this is sort of our best practice and this is how we do it. Um, it can be very tempting to, to, to say, you know what, you're right. You guys are the big fish here. Like, let us conform to what you'd like us to do. Um, and that's really, uh, from, from what I found here, just counterintuitive to everything that we're trying to build. Um, I think that you should only work with a partner that has a intersection of their, their brand values with your brand values. And that little intersection where those pillars meet, that's the area in which the most successful partnerships are built. It's very tempting to look at a bigger partner, like say it's a network, um, and say, hey, look, this is what they're looking for. This is what we should do in order to make them happy. And, uh, you know, while that might bring some short-term wins, it's definitely not going to fill out, um, you know, a, a, a long-term, uh, it's not going to check a box on the long-term brand mission, which is truly the most important things. So this year we wrapped up a partnership with Quibi, which is a new streaming platform that's going to debut next year in, in April. It's been a fantastic project. Um, we really love them as a partner. The the partnerships, you know, uh, spawned from conversations, like I mentioned earlier, that were just built on, uh, you know, how can we be mutually beneficial to each other? How do your brand tenants stand up to our brand tenants? And, and you know, from there, we generated some ideas um, for what, you know, a Rachel Hollis Quibi show could look like. I would say the first round of ideas were a little bit early in my tenure and they were more geared towards like what would Quibi be the most happy to see as opposed to what our audience would be the most happy to see and you know halfway through the process Rachel had uh you know had some meetings talked to some people and at some point decided that we shouldn't be doing what is going to be in the best interest of the partner because when we do what's in the best interest of our audience they're going to show up for that partner and they're going to glean immense value off of it. So we took a hard pivot. Um, Quibi, to their credit, as a partner, uh, let us take that hard pivot, encouraged us to take that hard pivot. Um, and it meant a lot of uh, a lot of hustle and, and a lot of work to get it done under the wire, but we did. And, and we're really, really proud of the, uh, of the product that came up. So even if it feels like it's too late, even if it feels like it's that it's not right, even if it feels like you've already sold the thing, you got the yes answer, if there is something nagging at you that feels like you're not being true to your brand's voice, to your brand's values, to your audience, to your to to the things that are going to be the most important to you, you should 100% listen to that voice and, you know, gently see what you can do to steer the ship that way. I, I think the the interesting part about approaching partnerships that way is that it, it takes a lot of the pressure off, you know, it, it it makes that first contact a little bit more of a conversation instead of I'm pitching to you or you're pitching to me or, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what value we can squeeze out of each other. As opposed to that, it's a little bit more just like, hey, let's just have a conversation, see, see what vibes in terms of our brands. And, you know, if that fleshes out and looks like it's going to create a partnership that's going to bring value to both sides and let you tell your story in the way that you want to tell that story and help people, then it, you know, let's continue down the road. And if not, you know, no harm, no foul. Let's all just keep doing what we're doing. I would tell myself in 2020, let your gut be your guide in terms of your brand's values and your brand's voice and, and, you know, what you're doing. Um, always start from that place and, you know, maybe try less to be a partner pleaser because you can do 800 projects in a different partner's voice that never make a splash. But if you do one project in your true voice, 
whether it works or it doesn't, like you, you've, you, you, you've put your best foot forward for the people that are watching. So you should 100% do that. Hey, Rachel and Dave. I was calling because it's coming up on about a year that I had discovered through a 23andMe DNA kit that the dad that I thought was my biological dad was not. And um, when I brought it to my mom's attention, the very first thing that she said was, hmm, really? Wow. And never apologized, um, really just from the way I felt had blown it off, um, said, you know, well, it's not a big deal. You're an adult now. I've been trying really hard to practice the fact that me forgiving her is, is so much more about myself and me being able to move on with my life. Um, but it's, just, it's been really hard. I have two little boys um, and a husband and just trying to, like, decide if, you know, like, I, I don't think I want her, like, totally out of my life. But then, like, how, how does that work, um, you know, like, moving forward? Because I definitely am a very in a weird spot with it and I just want to say that like the content that you guys have poured out into the world um, and really into my life has has been life-changing and I do give my, myself credit because you put that information out there and I have been practicing it so wholeheartedly and, and it has helped a lot and so I just I still have a lot of emotion around everything that had happened and I just kind of struggling on how to move forward. Hey everyone, this is Kristen. I am the CFO here at Hollis Co. And my best moment of 2019 professionally was definitely the decision to come here and join the Hollis Co. team. It was a huge decision for me. I had really grown my career where I was previously to a point that I'd worked really hard to get in that position. I'd been there for over 13 years. I was really comfortable in that position. I was really proud of getting myself to that role. And so I wasn't looking to make a transition into another role and especially not into a role so outside the industry that I had been in previously. This opportunity was presented to me, and um, after hearing more about the values here at the Hollis Co. and learning more about what this company was building, my narrative really went from what if I leave to what if I don't leave. Making the decision and then stepping in kind of felt like jumping out of a plane, like just ripping that Band-Aid off and going. And it's funny because I've actually jumped out of a plane before. And when I did it, I was so proud of myself. And my dad was not so proud of me as a career pilot. But when I made the decision to leave my previous career and what I had built to come here to the Hollis Company, my dad definitely was proud of me and making that decision and has been a huge cheerleader. And this team is just so incredibly welcoming. My first full-time week here was actually Rise Dallas. And so like I walked in and I walked into being a part of that incredible event. And it was amazing because the team here just kind of locked arms with me and was like, okay, you're here now, you're part of us, let's go do this.
I definitely think that there were some fears that I needed to overcome as I was stepping into this role, not about the tactical pieces of the business side, because I feel very confident in my knowledge set there and what I've been able to grow in my career on the business side. But coming in and being at an event with 6,500 women, with dancing, with a finale where we as a team were participating in the finale was definitely outside my comfort zone. But I definitely was a part of that finale and it was amazing and exciting and exhilarating to be a part of it. And since that time, I've continued to challenge myself with things that feel uncomfortable to me. I sang karaoke, which the team here knows that like that is so not me. Um, My husband and I did an obstacle course race in the mud, which was not something I would have thought I would have done six months ago. And now here I am with this team, building this team, and it's exciting. You asked what the best moment was, you know, definitely making the decision to come here was huge for me personally, but being here, you know, what we've done with the team, it's amazing because it feels like we've done a lot. There've been challenges in doing a lot of those things. There are definitely some things that I've never done before that we're learning, like having a partnership with Target. I mean, in the last few weeks, we've tracked a plane, a boat, trucks, and that was definitely something I never thought I'd be doing in my career. So I'm so excited for when Target launches and I can't wait to be there and see the product. What advice would I give myself in 2020? I would say to keep going, that we're going to continue to have challenges because we're always going to be tackling something new. There's always going to be that, you know, next mountain to climb, but that we can do it, that the team that we're building right now is strong enough to get over that mountain. Hi, good morning, Rachel and Dave. Um, really hope, I'm pretty sure this is not ringing to your house um, because it's super early here on the East Coast. Um, but I was just calling because I saw, I got up as they usually do to listen to Rise Together and saw that we could call in and share the story. Um, but I have just always wanted to tell you personally, thank you. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for so many reasons. So I start, I was introduced to you when Girl, um, Girl Wash Your Face came out read it immediately, shared it with probably the whole world. Just my whole outlook started to slowly, slowly change. And then on March 16th, 2019, I chose sobriety. But what your company really did for me is Rise Minnesota. I was sitting in the audience um, with my mom and my two cousins and just being, feeling like unbelievably overwhelmed and not scared that I could continue my sobriety journey, but more than that, that I could share it. When I came home from Rise, um, I just had this overwhelming confidence and drive um, to share my story. So I shared publicly on social media um, at 90 Days Sober. I sat in your audience, and then I came home and shared my story. Um, I hadn't told anybody besides my immediate family. And I, my story is also one where I struggled in silence. So I, I'm a mom of four, um, like you, Rachel, and just nobody really knew the depths of my alcohol use. And so when I chose sobriety and came out with the story, there was just so many people and there has since been so many people since August that have reached out, people I haven't talked to in years. Um, and then on top of that, the fact that Dave is, um, I think Dave's a month behind me, maybe, maybe almost rearing up on nine months of sobriety and how you've chosen to talk about your story and bring it to public. And then you talk about it in the same way that I talk about it, where 
you know, we may not be going to AA and that kind of thing, but we're choosing sobriety because it's the best decision for our family. It's the best decision for us. It's the best way that we can show up as the best version of ourselves. So that being said, I just, I want to, with a resounding thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Since sharing my stories, doors have opened. I am currently getting my coaching certificate and not sure exactly how it will look, but um, plan to really focus my time and attention on moms that suffer in silence and, you know, hope that I can be a, a resource and a support because you guys were that for me um, and just arming me with confidence that um, I'm, I'm here for, I'm here on assignment and, you know, I can turn my mess really into my message and I'm just excited to see where this year goes. So I talked long enough, but thank you and happy Thursday, happy Rise Together podcast day and have a good day.